Thank you for pressing play on the Inside Deschutes County podcast. Wherever you might be and however you might be listening, we appreciate you making us a small part of your day. Be sure to catch us wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Deschutes.org slash podcast. Deschutes County is an amazing place to live. Use a work and play. Great place to raise a family. I love the weather in the high desert. At Deschutes County, we provide excellent service. Beautiful. We're here to help you. Deschutes County is the heart of Oregon. Everyone wants to be here. This is episode 20, a bonus episode, if you will, of the Inside Deschutes County podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Eric Brion. We're going to jump right in. School exclusion day is February 21st, right around the corner. And we wanted to bring two guests on to talk about what this all means. Deschutes County Health Officer, Dr. Fawcett, a friend of the show, a repeat guest is here. And Sarah Van Meter, Immunization Coordinator for Deschutes County Public Health. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm going to start with Sarah. You're on the spot here. Can you just give us kind of a basic description of what school exclusion day is? Sure. So Oregon state law has um, required all children in public and private schools to be up to date on their documentation and on certain vaccines. Dr. Fawcett, which... What um, immunizations are we talking about here? Right. Well, some of these are very familiar. Um, uh, typically, the uh, MMR and the DPT, so that's measles, mumps, rubella. And the DPT is diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus. And then there's some other ones that um, are very useful, um, hepatitis B and hepatitis A, um, chickenpox uh, vaccine, um, and then I think a vaccine against Haemophilus influenza strain B, which is a, a pretty dangerous bacteria. Um, yeah, so, so those are the ones that I think are usually required. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it is. So yeah. Did we get them all? Polio. Oh, polio. Oh, polio. I'm sorry, polio. Yeah, Don't forget yeah. polio. Yeah, polio. <laughs> That's that one of the first ones, actually. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. spot on. It seems right. simple, but why are these so important to get up to date on? I mean, the, obviously, the... We don't want them. We don't want to get those things. But talk about just how the school exclusion day came into being and why it's just so important that they decided to put these things into effect, either one of you. Well, some of these diseases that nobody wants to have, I think polio is a great example uh, um, that can cause paralysis and death and often uh, strikes unpredictably in, in a lot of communities, suburbs, et cetera. Um, and then some are just very, very contagious. Measles, for example, um, can cause uh, lots of different um, uh, conditions, um, uh, even even death. But uh, more importantly, it's just very, very contagious. Uh, can um, keep a lot of kids out of school for quite a period of time. Um, and I think the other thing to remember is that a, a lot of folks, uh, because um, of their other medical conditions, um, either can't have all the vaccines, or if they do get these infections, they get sicker, um, end up in the hospital. Um, sometimes they, they can't be treated. Uh, so uh, we, we try to protect those around us in the schools and other places who are most vulnerable by these vaccines as well. Sarah, do the requirements vary by age or grade in terms of what kids need what and when? Yes. Um, really, it, we, they break it down into preschool, 
and then K through five, and then and then six through twelve. And the requirements vary on the age and the grade level. Are there places where people can see that information as to like what they need? Absolutely. Um, OHA, Oregon Health Authority, has a wonderful website that breaks it down for parents um, and and for the child care facilities and the schools as well. You mentioned it off the top, but this is required by law. Correct. And how long has this been going on? Do you know? Mm. A while. A while. Yeah, for a really long time. Um, as far as what vaccines have been necessary, I mean, it it's varied, you know, by time. They didn't all start out being Hep A and, you know, Hib and all of that. So that's that's been the variant, but it's been in effect for years. What schools are included in this? Is it obviously public schools, but I'm guessing does this apply to private and preschool and maybe even daycares? I don't know. I mean, maybe you can explain a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certified child care facilities, um, preschools included, uh, public, private, Head Start programs. Yeah. All of them? All of them. <laughs> anywhere anywhere that any, any child congregates more than five times a year. So I know... Uh, going to ask you, Sarah, another question. Sorry, Dr. Fossett. No, no problem. I, I know you've been busy. So you, you told me that when we when we talked about doing this, you're like, well, I'm busy. I'm doing stuff. What exactly are you doing to get the word out about this? Well, Or, it, or what anything else that you might be doing? Oh, yeah. It, it starts way, like, in the summertime. We try to reach out as much as possible to the schools. I mean, we have a wonderful school system here that they're they're on it, you know, but we have to send some gentle reminders out to child care facilities, especially new ones. And so we start doing that in the summer um, at the start of the school year, per se, like in the fall. That's when the facilities are collecting all the information, all the certified immunization status, the records from each of the children so that they can remain up to date. So really, um, yeah, if they start early and are organized, it makes everything easier for everybody when the reports are due. So this year, January 17th, was when the primary report was due. So that includes total enrolled, um, what kids are up to up to date, what kids are not. So this, this season, um, I had quite a few incomplete status children that they have to receive an exclusion letter or just no record because maybe the, the folks moved from um, out of state and didn't supply the, the record. So it's a lot of kind of lake work to get everybody kind of registered into the alert system. Yeah, I was going to ask about how many people, how many students, maybe we know or don't know the answer, but how big of an issue is it? You know, I mean, in terms of... Are there a lot of kids that don't get these up to date or is it, are we just talking a few that maybe, I mean, because we said it's been, this has been in effect for a while. So I'm assuming most people are up to speed on this, but is it still a big problem? Um, yes, <laughs> I would say. I mean, more and more, wouldn't you say, Dr. Fawcett? I, I like, think so. I think it's unpredictable. I, I think you make a good point that sometimes it's an issue in just getting the records verified or, um, you know. Uh, getting the documentation in on time, and sometimes it's an uh, easy fix. Uh, other times it's more complicated. 
Dr. Fassa, are you seeing are you seeing problems in schools um, when it comes to these diseases? Have you seen outbreaks of obviously not polio or things like that, but I mean, are you seeing other things like that? You know, I mean, chickenpox probably still a thing. So, but yeah, I mean, I, are there are there cases? I mean, I don't know. Is it a problem in these well, schools? I mean, you know, we've had a case of polio in this country um, not not very long ago on the East Coast, and so we you know we worry that this could you know, resurge potentially. Um, uh, but um, I, I think more than anything else, when we have a sporadic case of something that's very contagious like measles, we do kind of worry about uh, the, the school environment. And um, if we have a lot of folks that are unvaccinated in a, in a, in a school, in a classroom, um, you know, in the case of measles, I mean, there's a very high chance that this will spread very quickly. Um, and, and then sometimes we have adults, too, in the school setting, you know, who are immune compromised or, or somewhat medically fragile and where they could really be ill hospitalized even if they themselves contracted measles. So we just think some of these diseases can spread very quickly uh, under the right circumstances, and vaccines one of the things that's pretty effective in blocking some of that transmission. And Sarah, you were saying in Washington they're dealing with something like this, right? Right, right. They had some confirmed cases of measles um, amongst unvaccinated adults, and um, so we've been keeping a close eye on that and making kind of our game plan, you know, what we would do to reach out to schools and childcare facilities. Because in the end, um, if it is that there are kids in school that have, you know, have not received their vaccines, then it is within the the realm of not allowing them to come to school, just in order to protect them. Without getting into the the controversy of immunizations and the, the debate about it, I think people might want to know, have any been added as a result of the pandemic or anything like that? So there's there's nothing COVID, there's nothing even RSV on this? No. Mm-mm. No, no okay. not at all. Okay. Yeah. Are there any exemptions? So like if somebody has, you know, a religious reason, can, can they apply? Yeah. Um, so that, like any kind of philosophical, religious or, you know, just personal reason, um, parents are able to, or or children 15 years and older, can can get a non-medical exemption, and that's done by going to their their physician and and talking about it, becoming educated about the different vaccines and perhaps their the person's reason for not receiving it, or there's an online module that they can watch and then sign and and turn into the schools. There's also um, two different types of medical exemptions. So there'd be the permanent medical exemption. That would be something health-wise that would be an unresolved, you know, never will they be able to receive it. We also have temporary medical um, exemptions, and those would be if they had something that happened in their past, let's say a transplant, you know, or something that they're on a delayed, you know, vaccine schedule. So it's expected that they would receive all of them, but for now, they're just taking the the physician under the physician's orders. They're taking their time to receive their vaccines. What about resources? If they want to get information about these, either the diseases or the immunizations themselves, 
Any places where they can go to find information to learn? Well, first and foremost, I would say start with your yeah. your physician. Your pediatrician. You know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and I think they're, they're a good guide, too, for, for other resources, maybe online. Um, there's just a lot of information, obviously, that's available to everybody uh, through the Internet. But it, it's, it's nice to have a bit of a um, somebody who can help navigate that but, so you, you know what are the most reliable resources. Um, and, then, and if you want to go beyond that, that's great. But uh, to know from somebody who has experience like your primary care provider where to start is great. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the place to go, right? If I mean, it seems like a simple question, maybe a silly question. But where where should they go to get these immunizations if they don't have a primary care or a pediatrician? Are there options? Oh, absolutely. Um, we try to persuade people if they don't have a physician to go to the student-based health centers that we have in the area. And um, just so I don't forget, we have one here at um, Bend High. And there's one at M.A. Lynch Elementary in Redmond. And Sisters High School has one, and so does the Lapine Student Base um, Health Care Center. And um, they do take walk-ins, we tell people, but we also recommend that they make an appointment so they don't have a long wait. But it's available for children's, you know, 0 through 18, so it's a really nice resource. Of course, there's the county. So I, you know, I've, I've already started immunizi- immunizing children to get up to date. I mean, that started back in December, but um, they can call and make an appointment. And also, you know, local pharmacies for for children seven years and and older. So there are options. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Lots of places to go. Yeah, especially this last minute sort of thing, you know, when parents are scrambling and can't get an appointment with their primary, you know, there's there's other options for them. Are you hearing any common questions? Is it the where to go? Is it, you know, from parents? You know, is it the deadline? What what are you hearing most from them in terms of, you know, the biggest question? You know, strangely, I communicate more. I feel like with the child care facilities and the schools, and I, and you know, th- I'm answering their questions on behalf of the parents. It seems that the parents do a really good job of of contacting the schools first, and then after that, you know, it's. It's as though the parents come to me to receive the immunizations, and that's when they ask specific questions about vaccine. And, of course, you know, before I ever give a shot, I give them a vaccine information statement, and we talk about it. And there's already been some parents that were quite behind on their immunizations for their children. And so we talk about, you know, what's a reasonable way to get them caught up so that they don't have to have six shots in one day. February 21st. Mm-hmm. They need to buy that before that day or? They or? can even receive it on that day okay. and then show up at the school with their, you know, updated immunization record for the children and, and the children would be allowed to go to school that day. February 21st. Yes. We just want to say that I that's coming up for, quick. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as of this recording, it's February 9th. So we're, right. we're coming we're coming pretty quick. So yeah. anything I missed? Is there anything that in regards to the the immunizations themselves or the questions about the program or anything resource-wise? I'm assuming this is laid out on Deschutes.org somewhere for everybody to yeah, read. Yeah, and yeah, we do have a, a vaccine hotline people can call. 
and it's a pre-recorded, uh, you know, and it also with the opportunity to leave a message if, if they want to ask a question and can't get a hold of me readily by my direct phone number. Um, and so I can return phone calls that way. But yeah, you know, um, I, I always recommend people go to the OHA website because I feel like it's very intuitive. It's, it's laid out and, um, yeah, it's just a really great way to, to get your, your basics if you're unable to talk to your primary. Well, Dr. Richard Fawcett, thank you. Sarah Van Meter, thank you for popping on to talk about School Exclusion Day. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank Thanks, you Sarah. For, Thanks for having yeah. me. If you would like to go to a school-based health center for immunizations, those living in Jefferson and Crook Counties and the cities of Bend, Redmond, and Sisters can schedule appointments by calling 541-383-3005. If you're in Lapine, you should call 541 541- 536-0400 to make an appointment at the Lapine School-Based Health Center. For information on Oregon's immunization requirements for each grade, you can visit Oregon Health Authority's Required Shots for School and Children's Facilities webpage. And if you have questions regarding immunization requirements for school at all, please call the Deschutes County School Law Information Line at 541-322-7451. That's 322-7451. Thank you again to my guests, Dr. Richard Fawcett and Sarah Van Meter. Until next time.